Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick. And I'm Key Reese. And you guys missed a little bit of Britney singing before the podcast. That's how we do our sound checks now. Do it for the people. Hey. Is this thing on? (laughs) If you haven't watched Crossroads and you missed that iconic moment, educate yourselves. Definitely. It's the best movie ever. Who was it written by? Shonda Rhimes. Whoa. I feel like people don't know that. Give her her due for writing an amazing script. We just need to do a whole episode on all the things she wrote before she was quote unquote famous. Yeah, we'll just do like a Crossroads special and go from there. What could go wrong? (laughs) Well, speaking of a blast from the past, that's exactly what Gwyneth Paltrow has delivered us today because she has given a podcast interview ranking not only the sex with her two famous exes, but a whole lot of other stuff about their relationship. We need to get into that. We have thoughts, we have opinions, we have questions. But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gossip? I want more headlines. Last year, and this is not an overhype, The world's greatest movie was released. It was called June. (laughs) It was an adaptation of the 1965 sci-fi book by Frank Herbert. Well, blessed be, because today the trailer for part two was released, complete with worm writing and a long-awaited love story. We have Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, Josh Brolin, Rebecca Ferguson and Javier Bardem all reprising their roles from part one. But we're also welcoming along Austin Butler, Florence Pugh, Christopher Walken and Leah Sudeau. Let's take a listen. When you see sand here, imagine water. If you dive in, you can't reach the bottom. You dive in? Yes, it's called swimming. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe you. In the shadows of Arrakis lie many secrets. But the darkest of them all may remain. The end of House Atreides. My father didn't believe in revenge. Hope for. That's not hope! May thy knife chip and shatter. Okay, I've just got to say, that scene where Timothy Chalamet's character yes. is riding the sandworm, honestly, hook that to my veins. I could watch that for Ride 10 hours. Ride me any day. What, that's... Wow. <laughs> Wait, we took away different things from the sandworm scene. <laughs> <laughs> Two very different movies. Something else is that Austin Butler is getting absolutely roasted for his voice in this movie, which is such oh a my shame. God. Because it's just never going to end. The spirit of Elvis has only just left his body after all these years, and he was about to get his voice back, and now we've gone into this, so that's not great so for him. So what is his voice? He's done a really, like, disembodied, kind of raspy, because he's like a villain. 
I think. Oh, he's too method for me. I can't he's do too much, it. too much. Also, the Florence Pugh scenes, this is the first time we've seen her, like, full character and what amazing. she's going to look like. And Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya's little kissing scene. <gasps> Flutters. I think it's <laughs> flutters. Well, you, again, flutters. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> Getting a lot of different you, vibes. Your head is your in Your head the is toilet. somewhere weird, okay? <laughs> I'm trying to keep this together. This is an important sci-fi movie. I'm into I this. Thought, Tell me. Teach oh, me. I was just going to say that it's all very interesting with the studio to be really leaning into those, like, young Hollywood romances. Not that any of them are together, but to bring people into the sci-fi movie because I think most people will go not because they love the book or they want to see the sandworms because they just want to see the two kissing and that's oh, fine definitely but I think the whole thing that has made this film so good or, the, or part one so good and why we're so eager to see part two is because the casting was on point if you'd have gone back to my high school into my classroom and gone who in this class is going to be in a song with 50 cent and Eminem in 15 years rapping with them <laughs> like which one it's so unlikely but it's like I've, I believe in speaking things into existence Musician Ed Sheeran has released his long-awaited four-part documentary, The Sum of It All, on Disney Plus yesterday, and it's come out to rave reviews. So originally the idea for the documentary had been pitched as kind of like a making of his fifth album, Subtract, which coincidentally comes out this Friday, nothing planned at all, I'm sure. But in the first episode titled Love, while paintballing, Ed and his wife Cherry Seaborn who are notoriously private, reveal that it was her cancer diagnosis in 2022 at six months pregnant that changed her mind completely about even agreeing to do the project. It made me massively reflect on, like, our mortality. Like, we're all completely, like, human or whatever. And, um, but I was saying to Ed, like, I would never have agreed to do anything like this, ever, ever, ever. Um... But it made me think, like, this whole year I've been thinking, like, oh, like, if I died, what's people's perception of me? Like, what do you leave behind? So I thought it was so interesting that she was speaking so candidly about wanting to, first of all, obviously devastating at six months to learn that she had cancer. I just want to update everyone. It ended up being okay. The lump that she found in her arm, they were able to wait after delivering the baby. So everything ended up being okay. But I thought it was interesting that she spoke so candidly about wanting to change people's perception of her and her own legacy. Because I think widely, if you aren't like a diehard Ed Sheeran fan, the kind of public narrative that I think the media have invented because they are so private and because they don't speak and because she doesn't have a public profile is that she's almost been reduced to his high school crush that ended up going back to him after he was famous. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that she's very beautiful or traditionally beautiful and that Ed Sheeran, I mean, he's gone on the record to say that he is not an attractive looking guy, but I will say he's not conventionally attractive (laughs) from what we are sold. And I think it's really interesting because a lot of this happens a lot to partners of successful people who choose to not have a profile and just want to live their life. So that means the public has to kind of make up a profile. And sometimes it's really favourable, like what a wonderful, supportive mother and wife that has kind of turned this man around. Very similar to like Matt Damon's wife, Luciana, who they, you know, met in a bar when he was already famous, but not like stratospherically famous like he is now, which made me think that all I've really heard of Cherry, apart from a bit of their like love story, is this story that circled around about when 
they got together that Ed Sheeran would take her to parties and leave her alone to kind of test her and see if she could like be in this famous lifestyle. I feel people really latched onto that story. I don't even know if it's true or not, but you know how things just kind of take off, but that's the only thing I know about this woman. Well, that's the thing. And I think it's really interesting that you've brought up Matt Damon and his wife, because I would argue that aesthetically (laughs) they are on the same level. Oh yeah. Right. So Typically, the stories about them tend to be positive, but it's harder for people to accept that someone as beautiful as Cherry would go for someone like Ed. If he wasn't famous? Oh, that's a brutal. People are brutal. That's what I think, which is obviously ridiculous, but I think it's really interesting. And I think it's great that she's chosen to want to talk because you honestly see how beautiful their love story is Mm. on screen and how they're at Oktoberfest and she like turns to him saying, this is a bucket list moment. And it's like, they're so stoked with stuff that we're stoked with. Like yeah. they're really normal, relatable people, even though he's obviously very famous and they live a very privileged life. So you can watch all four episodes now on Disney+. Plus. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Well, it's a very important day because our problematic fave, Gwyneth Paltrow, is done with being sued for a skiing accident and (laughs) flirting with a lawyer and has now moved on to bigger and better things, and that is appearing on the Call Her Daddy podcast hosted by Alex Cooper. So it was a pretty wide-ranging interview about her career and life and how she this switch flips in your 40s and she's like, you get a software update and you become a better person. That's all lovely. Boring. It's boring. And I was listening and thinking, am I getting inspired by Gwyneth? Gwyneth Paltrow, I've never felt this before. (laughs) But of course, because we're all a bunch of basic bitches with dirty minds, there's only one part of the interview. (laughs) It's true. There's only one part of this interview. It's true. Us and the rest of the world. There's only one part of this interview people care about. And that's the fact that she talked about her famous exes, Brad Pitt and Ben Affleck, got into some ranking, and look, she was not holding back. Okay, we're gonna play a game. Okay. Brad or Ben? It'll be fun. Okay. Brad. (laughs) No, <laughs> I didn't even ask a question. Oh, I thought that was the question. Brad or Ben? Who had better style? Oh, my gosh. I'm going back, back in time mm-hmm. now, trying to assess wardrobes. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Brad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who was more romantic? Um, Brad. <laughs> I'm like, Brad, Brad. <laughs> Who was more likely to make you laugh? Ben. Who were you more likely to get into an argument with? Ben. Who was better in bed? That's really hard. That is really hard because like Brad was like the sort of major chemistry love of your life kind of like at the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And then, like, Ben was, like, technically excellent. 
did Ben just not come off good in that whole ranking? I think she was trying to be fair. Also, props to her because anyone else would have been like, oh, I shouldn't answer this. Oh, like struggling with like how much I should say. But Gwyneth, she was like, I'm just struggling to remember accurately because I want to tell you who was better in bed. She's very articulate, which I think lends itself well to when you're being thrown these questions. Yeah. I can't believe that she answered, but I think that she has... I think if you go on that podcast, you know you have to answer those questions because that's the kind of the the backbone of the podcast. She also potentially has to bump into JLo. And I'm just saying the thing about the sex, (laughs) technically excellent. If you don't listen to this and you read it, all tone is lost, right? Mm. So technically excellent could be read as technically excellent, (laughs) right? But It depends how you read in your head. That's so true. Exactly. But if we're going off audio, I still feel it's a little bit backhanded, but I also think that it accurately sums up Ben Affleck's career and life (laughs) that, you know, in acting he is technically excellent or technically excellent. Not earth-shattering for anyone. But not passionate, earth-shattering love of your life at the time. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. That is actually such a good... I know. That is such an accurate depiction of Ben Affleck's entire career because kind of looking back at their relationship. So Gwyneth Paltrow was the first big Hollywood star that Ben Affleck was linked to after he won his Oscar. But everyone was still like, Matt's the star of the movie. He's the charismatic one. He's going to be the blockbuster star. Even though Matt now tells a different story and says Ben was always the star. And so then they... <laughs> Liar! <laughs> and then they started dating and they did... Remember they were in Shakespeare in Love together yeah. and he was the villain, but then they were in that movie Bounce together, which got really critically panned. Then he made the same mistake with J-Lo where they got together and made a movie that was panned and it broke them up. So it's like the dude just doesn't learn. I don't feel that sorry for him. He's a rich guy. I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, you know, if this was a man ranking his famous sex partners, it would be really problematic. But I feel like it's not just because of who the players are, because the world's always been set up for these Hollywood men to kind of be the most successful top of their game. It's like in this interview where Gwyneth Paltrow says that Hollywood is basically high school with money. And that's why they're all at the top, because they're all the rich, good looking kids who are kind of running the high school. And so ranking their sex prowess and calling them both great doesn't make me feel that bad for either of them because the power imbalance isn't there. Well, I think the same in comedy, right? You want to punch up. I think in this case she's punching up. With not she's the punching jokes. punching up to Ben Affleck. <laughs> well, as in like she's not saying that like, I don't know, someone who is like a D-lister and being really horrible at him. Like let's face it, both of these actors are probably – we're talking about them right now. They're mm. now in the news cycle, whether it's because they're passionate or technically excellent. But I think that if it was to be about someone else who doesn't have anything else going on, it could be a lot more detrimental to maybe their career, I think. Exactly. Exactly what you said. It, it's very clear that she was really putting Brad out there as like the star of all her exes in terms of jumping in straight away, saying love of my life, and then also going in depth on their engagement story, which I hadn't yes, heard. Have no, you heard no. her talk about that before? Never. Exactly, being on a balcony together and they met on the movie Seven, which is, it's so funny because when you watch some movies and you see people fall in love like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie on the set of Mr. and Mrs. Smith or any of those kind of movies, you're like, oh, I understand how you fell in love because it's all these beautiful sex scenes and the chemistry and running around a kitchen together in lingerie and shooting each other and then having sex with whipped cream. Like, obviously you're going to fall in love. Have you seen Seven? Is it Seven or Seven Days in Tibet? 
No, no, this is Seven, the movie. Oh, I haven't seen And this seven. is about like a serial killer who reenacts <sighs> the seven deadly sins. And a bit of a okay. spoiler I alert. Seen this. But the movie came out like 20 something years ago. No, more than that. Spoiler alert, Gwyneth Paltrow, who plays Brad Pitt's wife in this, gets decapitated and her head is sent to Brad Pitt's character in a box and he's like, what's in the box? What's in the box? Like, that's a famous movie line and it's Gwyneth Paltrow's head. It's not giving start of my romantic. And then they fell in love. Yeah, it's not. that's not what it's giving me. That's giving me nightmares. Do you think they had their first kiss next to her decapitated head that someone yeah! in the costume department would have made? We're not going down that route. But what <laughs> I thought was more interesting about that story is that she said yes and later broke it off because she just didn't think she had evolved enough as a person. She was 24 at the time. I think he was a decade older than her. Yeah. And she kind of says he was very much into it and kind of stops herself you know, ready for that stage of life. I think that she was alluding to the fact that he was probably more into her than she was him. Yeah. Well, Even he was though nine she years was older. the love of his life. But I thought it was really interesting how she had enough kind of awareness of herself to make that decision. She must have known for other reasons it wasn't right as well. Exactly. She's like, he's a pretty face. There's not a lot else happening there. No. <laughs> oh, the haircut. Oh, they had matching haircuts. Yeah. That I think was she was a- like, I need to change my hair up. I don't think our relationship's going to survive. <laughs> that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. She couldn't go any further. I also thought it was interesting how she talked about winning her Oscar and how she was saying that she fumbled on stage presenting at the Oscars because that was the first time she'd seen Brad Pitt and she like broke his heart and gave the ring back. And then she goes on to talk about winning her own Oscar and like how much she was ridiculed after it, which yeah. is something I'd forgotten. But I remember at the time, like it was a big shock that she won. Everyone's like, how dare you win over Kate Blanchett, who was a proper actress and you're a blonde bimbo nepo what baby. What was Kate up for? Elizabeth. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, obviously like amazing. I think that yep. was, yeah, she's been nominated so many times. And so it was a big upset that Gwyneth won. And when she got on stage, she was sobbing and yeah, couldn't yeah. say anything. In absolutely sobbing in the pink dress that was really crushed. It didn't fit her properly. I like she it. had this necklace, but people were like, worst dressed, bubblegum pink dress, looks terrible. She said on the red carpet that her dad was going to buy her the necklace she was wearing that was made of diamonds, like rich Nepo baby before we even knew what a Nepo baby yeah. was. Yeah. Then she got up on stage and like completely was sobbing during her speech and the ridicule, like she talks about the press coming for her, but she also went into hiding for like three days and her so parents sad. like had to go do like a welfare check on her and then she moved into her parents' house because she had like a complete mental breakdown because of how embarrassed she was of like reaching this big career height and then crying on stage and everyone was just like, thank God the internet didn't like exist then totally. the same way because TikTok would have ripped her apart. That's why I think people have forgotten because we didn't have memes. Oh my God. But there was so much in this interview, so you guys should go listen yeah, to it. Obviously, sure. we've just kind of really focused on the sex as we are want to do, but there's other, <laughs> other good stuff there. So we'll link the full Call Her Daddy episode in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. This episode of The Spill was produced by Laura Brodnick with audio production by Rhiannon Mooney. Our executive producer is Gia Moylan. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au and on The Spill Instagram. Bye. Bye. Bye.